Today's daf in Mesechis Saita is daf Tes 9. We are beginning the bottom of Chesimut Beis, Bezuz Hashem. We're continuing actually with the subject <coughs> that we began yesterday about the din of Midah Keneged Midah. Going to have three parts in today's daf. First, we're going to show psukim that illustrate the concept of Midah Keneged Midah um, as it relates to Sota, but really just as in a general sense. If people are punished in, in the uh, measure that they behave and the reward, which we'll discuss really in the next Mishnah. We'll move on to the second point of the day. <coughs> we'll highlight a bunch of people who were attempting to uh, accomplish something or get something that wasn't, wasn't fitting for them, and then they lost even what they had originally. And then we'll move on to the new point of the day, which is the new Mishnah and Testament Bays highlight certain individuals that got punished measure for measure, um, and even and also those who got rewarded measure for measure. And we'll focus in most of the day, in terms of that Mishnah for today, on Shimshon specifically. So let's begin. We're holding the bottom of Chesmud Bays, the first wide line on the page, which is about six lines from the bottom of the page. Tanya, Brisa teaches, Hayyur Rebbe Oymer, Rebbe used to teach, How do we know that the measure that a person behaves, he is measured back in? Meaning he receives tit for tat. Shana'emar, as the Pasuk tells us, it's a Pasuk in Yeshaya, and it says, In the sa'a, it's Lashon of sa'a, in the measure that a person behaves, when he's contended with, he is uh, punished. Meaning, when he's punished, he receives back the same measure in which he behaves. Now, sa'a is a large measure. So, ainly ela sa'a, I would only know if he does large averos that he receives punishment back in the same kind. Ainly ela sa'a. Minayin l'rabos tarkov. How do I know three kav? Now, it means, it means a, lo- a smaller measure, a smaller averos. Vechetzi tarkov, or a kav and a half. Kav, one kav. Vechetzi kav, half of a kav. Rova, quarter of a kav. Vechetzi rova, or an eighth of a kav. Tuman ve'ochle, these are very small measurements. How do I know, even for small measurements, minayin, that there's also a concept of midah keneged midah, i.e. that you'll get punished measure for measure even for smaller sins. Talmud Loimar, therefore the Pasuk teaches us, it's also Pasuk in Yeshaya, ki kol se'on so'an berash. Every measure is measured out with noise, meaning even small measures, a kol, is going to be paid back even for small infringements. Rashi understands, how do I know that every sin is accounted for? Meaning, even though HaKadosh Baruch doesn't punish a person immediately, it's only everything is accruing, and at the end he'll get what he deserves. Therefore the Pasuk in Kohelis teaches us, It says one to one to find the full calculation, meaning everything is accounted for, nothing is left unanswered. And the Bible continues, we find by Sota, that in the measure that she acted, she is treated. And the Bible continues with a few examples. She stood at the entrance of her house, Leroy's light, to appear in front of the Noyef, the Boyel, the adulterer, therefore the Kohen stands her at the entrance of the gate of Nicanor. Umara Kalain Lakol and uh, reveals her dis- disgrace to everyone. He pierced Salai Sudari Nain Al Raisha, she spread nice kerchiefs on her head. Lafikakoi Night will keep on me al Raisha. The coin takes the uh, covering of her head, Umanikha Takas Ragla, and he puts it under her feet. It's a bizarre. 
he kashtalai paneha, she or de, or, or she beautified her face for the boya lefigach. Therefore, continues tesamad aleph paneha marika. Her face becomes sickly, becomes green. If she was mezana, he kichlalai eneha, she made put makeup on her eyes lefigach eneha boltos. Therefore, her eyes um, pop out. Her eyes emerge. He kalalai asai, which we'll discuss really in the namishna later. The process of what happens if she's actually tamea. She's guilty. He called Aloya Saira. She braided her hair for the Noya, for the adulterer. Lefika Kayan Saira Saira. The Kayan undoes her braids. Here, he her also loyba She motioned to the boil to come towards her with her finger. Lefika Tsipar now noishris. Her fingernails fall off. He chegur loybitziltzul. She girded herself with a nice belt for the adulterer. Lefika Kayan maybe chevel mitzri. The Kayan brings this um, disgraceful belt. Actually, Rashi learned earlier. It's the, a belt from the vines that grow around the palm tree. And he ties it above her breast so that her clothes don't fall off. She stretched out her thighs in the act of uh, adultery. Her thighs collapsed. She accepted the adulterer on her stomach. Her stomach explodes. She prepared foods, delicious foods for the adulterer. Carbona Michael Behema. Her carbon is Michael Behema. It's from flour, whereas usual carbon minchas are from uh, barley flour, as opposed to normal carbon minchas are from wheat flour. She gave the adulterer choice wine in, in important, uh, in significant glasses. The coin gives her the bitter waters in earthenware vessels, which are very, very uh, lowly. He asked she acted in a hidden way, in a secretive way, and therefore, as the Pasuk in Tehillim Tzadi Aleph tells us, Yoshev B'Seser Iyon, the one that dwells in the innermost high, Samba Panim focuses on her. It means Hashem knows what happened with her. Shin Emer, as it says, Pasuk in Eov tells us, Va'ayin Noyev Shamar Neshef, the eye of the adulterer awaits the darkness. Lamer saying, Lai no, I will see me, meaning she thought that that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wouldn't see, but obviously HaKadosh Baruch Hu sees and knows everything. Dovarachar, an alternative explanation on the same note, he asked she acted in private, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu reveals her embarrassment and shame in terms of this sin to everyone in public. Shinemar, as it says, in Pazagim Mishli tells us, the one that hides uh, something hated, in darkness, uh, the negativity will be revealed in the congregation. Okay, period. So HaKadosh Baruch reveals what she was trying to hide. Fine. Now the Gemara says like this, we had three psukim initially telling us the idea of Mida Kineg and Mida. Asks the Gemara, Once you have the third Pasuk, the Pasuk from Kohelas, that says every, uh, every Avera is accounted for, even if it's not punished immediately, it's limzo means eventually it will be uh, detail, it will, will be taken care of. So the second pasuk of kikol saon saon barash lamali. Why do I need the second pasuk? So the Gemara answers lechemida. No, the second, the third pasuk only teaches us that there's no vitor, meaning Hakadosh Baruch will eventually punish people for what they deserve. The second pasuk teaches us that they're also punished in measure in the way that they behaved, which means it's not just a random punishment, but it's a perfect correlation for how they behaved. So the Gemara now says, 
So on Barash, but now that you have the second pasuk that says a person is punished in measure even for smaller averos. So Why do I need the first pasuk now, which taught us that you're punished for larger averos in measure? It becomes obvious once you know even for smaller averos you're punished in measure. So the Gemara now will show up till the end of the sugya in terms of this pasuk actually what drasha this is used to teach us. Answers the Gemara. Will not punish a nation until they're sent away. Meaning, the per- nation will not be punished until it's time for their destruction. When they're destroyed, Hashem punishes them for everything that they've done. And that's the first passage we quoted above. As it says, means when he sends them away, then he punishes them entirely for all of the sins that they've done. Asks the Gemara, Aini, is that really true? But we know that Rava teaches us, It says in the dream of the Saramash, a reference to three cups. What are the three cups reference to? Lama, what is it for? They're a reference to three times Mitzrayim was punished. So one is in the days of, right now, the days we're experiencing, it's yes, Mitzrayim. The second one was later in history when Parnecho, the king of Mitzrayim at the time, was overcut, was um, overrun and destroyed by Mitzrayim. And the third is the destruction and punishment they're going to receive <coughs> with its friends, Be'emos HaMashiach. So the Gemara says is, what do you see? L'chara, what you see is, is that even though they were initially punished, they weren't entirely wiped out. And yet, we just said, based on the Pasuk of Bessah, Terivena, is that when a nation is destroyed, that's when they're punished for the sins that they've done. So asks the Gemara, L'chara, if that's true, from the fact that Mitzrayim remained after they were punished, seems to contradict the, that drosha. Rechitema, maybe you'll answer, Hanach Azdu, really, the first Mitzrayim, those people were wiped out. The second Parnacho nation, it's a different nation altogether. They happen to be new people who inhabited Mitzrayim, but really it's a different group of people altogether because the first were punished and wiped out, as we derive from Besasa Beshilcha Terivana. The problem is, we know based on the following Brisa that the Isser of Ger Mitzri entering the Kahal still exists with Mitzrayim existing later. So you see clearly the nation wasn't wiped out. Because Vatanya Amrab Yehuda Minyamin Ger Hamitsri Hayali Khavar Mitamid Rabbi Akiva, Rabbiuda said there was a fellow whose name was Minyamin, who was a Ger Mitsri, an Egyptian convert, and he was from the students of he was a friend of mine from the students of Rabbi Akiva, and Omar Minyamin Gera Mitzri, he stated as follows Ani Mitzri Rishon, I am a first generation Mitzri convert, Ben Asasi Mitzri Rishona, I married a first generation uh, woman convert Mitzri. Asi Lebni Mitzri Shnia, so now that I have a son, I'll marry him to a Second generation Mitzri convert, Mitzris, Kadeshi He Ben Beni, so that my third generation, as the Torah tells us, only Mutter Lava Bakal, Mutter to marry into the regular Kahal Yisrael. So what do you see very clearly? You see that the halachas of the Mitzrim still remain, and if that's an entirely different nation, so then that shouldn't remain. Must be that the nation was not entirely destroyed. And Lachara, therefore, the Gemara says is you see this initial drusha that says that Bisasa Bashilcha Terivana teaches us when a nation is punished when they're wiped out, that's when HaKadosh Baruch Hu punishes them for all their sins, meaning they're wiped out entirely, that's not true, because they still remained. So just an important point Rashi notes over here is that there is a shita in the Tosefta and Kedushin that Nevuzaradon 
<clears throat> a Sancherev, excuse me. Sancherev came and he mixed up all the nations, and therefore really there's no din anymore of Mitzri or Amoni because we don't know who's who anyways. So this shita seems to not go with that understanding, and the Tosefta, Rabbi Akiva, seems to say that this is not true, actually. He argues on Yamagera Mitzri, and this shita Rabbi Huda is saying because uh, there wouldn't be such a halacha following the bilbul of Sancherev. But anyways, the Gemara says, according to this shita, Ela'i itmar hachi itmar. If you want to say what the Pasuk teaches us, it has to be as follows. Does not punish a king until he is destroyed, until he loses his position. And that's derived from the Pasuk of meaning when he's destroyed, that's when HaKadosh Baruch Hu makes sure to punish a Midah, Kenegad Midah. But the point is, not regarding a nation, because you see clearly Mitzrayim wasn't entirely wiped out. You see that the nation still remained to some degree. But a Melech, when he's punished, meaning he'll be punished at the end when he is destroyed slash loses his position. Right? As the reason I'm saying loses his position is because there is a Medrash that seems to say or Maimur Chazal that says that, Nevu, that uh, Paro, Melech Mitzrayim, he lost his position as king of Egypt, but then he became the king of Nineveh, who was the king at the time of the incident with Yonah ben Amittai, when he was sent to, in Sefer Yonah, when he was sent to have them do tshuva. So, Lachara, what it could mean is, Baruch is Nifra from the Melech when he forfeits his position, when he loses his grandeur, which he did in that case. Fine. taught the original statement of Papa, where it was a reference to the nation being punished when it was destroyed on the following Pasuk. Malachi, the Pasuk tells us, and the shot in the Pasuk is, I am Hashem, I don't change. And you are the children of Yaakov, I won't destroy you. So the way we're going to read it is not that I don't change, but rather I don't repeat. What does that mean? I never <coughs> punish an Uma, a nation, and uh, repeat, because once I punish it, it's destroyed. Now, this is the initial drasha of Rechinah Bar Papa, which we said earlier above. Uh, but Antoisus points out, we could have gone through the same Shaklavatari and asked, Eilachar, we see Mitzrayim still existed after it was punished, but the Gemara didn't want to be Ma'arich over here. But this is the same drasha that we had above. And then the latter half of the Pasuk in Malachi, you won't be destroyed. Like it says in regards to, uh, in Parshish Hazinu, it says about the Jewish people, it says, My arrows, I finish in them. Kodesh Baruch Hu says, My measures of punishment, I'll finish in the Jewish people, which means, is that my arrows, the punishments that I send their way, they will be finished. It's actually a brach and a haftacha, but the Jewish people will never be finished, never be uh, ruined, destroyed. Okay, new point. Amar of Hamnuna, Ena Kadosh Baruch Hu Nifra Mina Uma Achet Ismalas Aso. Rav Hamnuna says that Kadosh Baruch Hu does not punish a nation until they fill their measure. So Rashi learns over here, Ismalas Aso means until they've done their their full of uh, fulfilled their tithes entirely. Shneimer, as the pasuk in Yof tells us, Bemlo Sefeko Yetserlo. Rashi learns Bemlo Sefeko Koretzono when they fulfilled all of their desires. Yetserlo, then Zora comes to them, then punishment comes their way. So it's just the same Amara, so therefore it's just a drasha broad here. What does it mean when the pasuk tells in Tehillim Amid Gimel? It says, Ranenu Tzadikim Ba'Hashem, sing righteous ones to Hashem. Now the pshat in the pasuk is the upright it is fitting to give praise. Altikri na'ava the uh, uh, fitting nava tehila ela nava tehila 
Not, not Neveh or Neveh Tehillah. Neveh is a palace or an abode. We're going to see there are examples in history where people who built an abode or a certain place to live, they were praised in the sense that it wasn't taken over by their enemies. Zem Moshe David. This is referring to Moshe who built the Mishkan. And David, Rashi learns, means Ir David, the city of David. That their enemies didn't have the ability to overtake their deeds. David Ixiv, we know the Pasuk in Eicha tells us in regards to the destruction of the Beis Mikdash, and I guess the accompanying cities. Some learn that that's actually, this is about to refer to the Beis Mikdash. Rashi seems to learn it refers to Ir David, actually. Tavu Ba'aret Sha'areha, as Pasuk in Eicha tells us, sunken into the ground was its gates. And the way Rashi explains it is, is the, the gates of gold and silver and copper that David had created weren't overtaken by the enemies when Yerushalayim was destroyed. Moshe the Amar Mar and Moshe, as it says, Mishanivna Mikdash Rishon, when the first base of Mikdash was built by Shlomo Melech, Nignaz Oyel Moed, the Oyel Moed was hidden, Krushav, the beams, Kurasav, uh, the hooks, I believe, Ubrichav, the, the pillars, like the cross beams, Vamudav, the pillars, Vadonav, and the sockets. Well, Hecha, where was it all hidden? Under the tunnels of the Beis HaMikdash, that's where all of this was hidden. But the point is, in order that no of the enemies of the Jews should take over these things, they were hidden away in a way that nobody would be able to touch them. Okay, point two of the day. Tan Rabban, it says the Brisa. Bring it back to Saita now. Saita nit nasna ineha bemish ene ro'ila. The Saita attempted to put her eyes to her, uh, achieve something that wasn't fitting for her, i.e. the boyel. And that which she desired is not going to be given to her. She's asur leboyel. Rashi learns her ksuva that she initially did have rights over, she actually forfeits. Anybody that places their eyes to receive something that's not fit for them, that's not theirs. That which they're attempting to achieve isn't given to them. And that which they currently possess is also forfeited. Turning to Testament Beis, we're going to give a few examples of this now. We find by the, the primordial snake in the story of Adam and Chava. He placed his eyes on something not fitting for him, which is Chava. And that which he desired was not given to him. And that which it already had, had achieved was taken from him. And the Gemara gives a few examples of that in regards to the snake. Hashem said, I said that the snake would be the king of all the animals. But now, as the Psukim and Bereshis tell us, It's cursed more than all the animals in the field. Initially, HaKadosh Baruch Hu had said that the snake would walk with an upright posture. Now would slither on its stomach. Initially, HaKadosh Baruch Hu had said it would eat people's food. Now the snake would consume dirt. Who Amar the snake had said, Eherogus Adam, I'll kill Adam Vesas Chava, and I'll be able to marry Chava. Achsha, but now Eva Ashis Bencho Bena Isha, I'll place an enmity between you and the woman, Uben Zaracho, Ben Zara, between your children and hers. Bechain Matzino, and similarly we find Bekayin, Rashi learns regards to Kayin and Hevel. Kayin was upset that Hevel had received an extra to Uma that he was able to marry, an extra twin sister, and he tried to, he was upset about that, he wanted that, and in the end, he, uh, he ended up having to run away for his life and be Nava Nad Bechol The Koirach, as well as Koirach, was upset about the Kahuna, he wanted to achieve Kahuna, he ended up getting swallowed up by the earth. Ubilam, Rashi learns over here, he wanted to achieve the 
money of Balak, and he ended up getting killed. This is interesting. Rashi learns that Doeg actually was one of the Gedoli Ador at the time. And he was jealous of David HaMelech. Um, and he said Lashon Hara about David HaMelech. Achitoifel, he put his eyes in regards to the Malucha. He wanted to achieve the Malucha. Rashi seems to say over here, These people didn't live very long. They were cut down. Vegechazi, Gechazi was the assistant to the Gabai of Elisha. And he took the money of Naaman, which was in the generals of Aram, I believe. And uh, that was inappropriate. He shouldn't have done that. And he ended up getting Tzeras. Vav Shalom, he wanted to usurp David's power, his father in the Malucha. And uh, he getting, ended up getting killed, as we'll discuss later. Rashi says over here, he wanted Avishag, who was the girl that was chosen to warm up David in his old age, also in an attempt to usurp power, he ended up getting killed. Uziyahu, Rashi says over here, he wanted the Kahuna, and uh, he ended up getting Tsaras. Vahaman, now Rashi seems to take out the word Haman, but Haman, I guess, would mean he wanted to kill Mordechai and um, the Jewish people. And also, he ended up getting hung. All these people, they put their eyes on something not fitting for them. That which they desired wasn't given to them. And that which they had already achieved was taken from them. Okay. Now, the end of the Mishnah had told us, in regards to her thigh, she initiated sin, and then her stomach. Where do we find a reference in the Psukim that that's the order of events? It's based on the Pasuk that it tells Parshas Naso. It says, Hashem will cause, the coin tells her, the, her thigh will fall, and your stomach will explode. The problem is, but the Pasuk also says, your stomach will explode, and then your thigh will fall, which it reverts the order. First, the coin, when he curses the thigh and then the stomach, because that's the order of the sin. That's the way that the averas occurred. But the water, when it checks, in the way that it goes through the body, means it first hits the stomach, and then it hits the thigh, so that's how it also affects the body. First the stomach, and then the thighs. So the Gemara says, one second, but the Klala Nami, regards to the Klala too, the Kohen tells her, at first says the stomach, and then the thigh. So the Gemara answers, really in terms of the klala, the Kohen tells her first the thigh and then the stomach. But he also informs her stomach and then thigh, it's an informative uh, statement to her that, that first it's going to hit the stomach, and then the thigh, in order not to cast aspersions against the Mayim Hamarim, that people will think, you see, it's not working properly. So he tells her, really, the curse is in the way that you perform the Avera. The way it practically will come out is stomach and then thigh, because that's how it travels through the body. New Mishnah. Now we're going to discuss scenarios throughout history where we find Mida Keneged Mida, both in the negative, punishment, and in positive and reward. Shimshon Halach Achar Enav. Shimshon followed after his eyes in a negative way. He married Plishti women. We're going to see, really, he had a plan which was to create a personal conflict with him and the Plishtim so that he can take out frustrations or take out punishment against them in order that the Jewish people don't get the blowback because of that. Nonetheless, there was an element that he was doing it because it made sense to him. And because of that, they gouged out his eyes. As it says in Shoftim, the grabbed this, the end of the story of Shemshon, and they gouged out his eyes. Avshalom became haughty with his hair. He had beautiful hair. 
the end of his life, even though David HaMelech had commanded Yoav, his general, and the armies not to kill him, nonetheless, he got hung by his hair, and we'll see later he was killed. Because he had relations with ten of the concubines of his father, this was actually the second attack. First, Yoav went and stabbed him with three, with three um, rods, and then ten of the soldiers there stabbed him with ten spears. And as it says, The uh, arms bearers of Yoav, ten people surrounded him and they stabbed him with spears. Because he stole three people's hearts. The heart of his father based in Israel. And Rashi explains, is that David HaMelech had given a letter to Avshalom saying he could take two uh, people with him when he went to finish his Naziris, which he did every year because he was a Nazir Oilam, and he went to two Talmidi Chacham, two Rashi Sanhedrin, and said, Come with me, my father instructed. He showed them the letter until he gathered many of them. So he had stolen Lev Aviv and Lev Beisdin. And Lev Yisrael is based on the Psukim, as they imply, when people would come to be judged by David, he would say, If only I was the king and I would give you a good judgment, he convinced them that he was actually a good guy on their side. So therefore, lefikach nitke uboi gimel shvatim, Yoav stabbed into him three rods, as it says by Yoav, which was actually before the last story of the tent, meaning it was in the same incident, but it was preceding the last detail. As it says, vayikach shlosha shvatim mekapo, Yoav took, vayikach Yoav shlosha shvatim mekapo, he took three rods in his hands, vayitkoim b'li v'avshalom, he stabbed in the heart of Avshalom. Now let's turn the other way. Similarly, in regards to the good measure, Miriam Miriam waited for Moshe when he was put in the Nile River for one hour. As it says, she wanted to see, she, she uh, stood from afar to see what would happen with Moshe. The Jewish people in the Midbar, when she got Saras, waited, Zion Yomim, the Midbar in the desert, seven days for her to come back and join the camp before they traveled. As it says, The nation didn't travel until Miriam was gathered back into its populace. Yosef merited to bury Yaakov. And, and there was no greater brother than Yosef. Shanamar, as, as it says in the Pasuk, you find he was the one who initiated, even though he was also commanded. But it Pasuk tells us, Yosef It says, Yosef went up to bury his father, with his chariots and foot soldiers. And who was greater than Yosef means who else could be involved in the kfura of Yosef? Shalinus Asik boy to be involved with Yosef's kfura, Alamoisha, Moshe Rabbeinu took care of Yosef's kfura. Moshe Zacha Ba'atzmas Yosef and Yosef merited to, Moshe was merited to bury the bones of Yosef in Israel Gadol Mimenu and there was no Jew greater than him Moshe Rabbeinu Shinemar as it says Vayikach Moshe Zatzmas Yosef Imo he took the bones of Yosef with him Mi Gadol Mimoshe Shalinus Asik Boyalam Makoim and who is greater than Moshe to be involved in Moshe's Kavura Bara Kodesh Baruch Hu we'll explain this more later Shinemar but the Pasuk tells us that the end of Moshe's life Vayikfor Oise Begai it says Hashem buried him in the valley. And we'll see later exactly how we derive from the Pasuk. But the bottom line is, HaKadosh Baruch Hu buried Moshe. Again, this is tit for tat. Mida keneged mida, because Moshe was involved in Yosef. Yosef was involved in Yaakov. And the Mishnah finishes off, Lo Moshe Belvad Amro, not only in regards to Moshe, does HaKadosh Baruch Hu involve himself with the Kfura, Rather, in regards to all of the righteous, Shinemar, as it says in the Pasuk in Yeshaya, your righteousness will go in front of you. The honor of Hashem will gather you in, which is the lashon of 
uh, Misa and burial. So you see that with regards to all the tzaddikim, does HaKadosh Baruch Hu become involved in their kivura? Some point out from here that HaKadosh Baruch Hu attends the levaya of a tzaddik, which is a very interesting yisod. Okay, now for the next, uh, the rest of the daf today, we're going to discuss Shimshon and his story. Now the psukim here go a little bit out of order. It doesn't go in chronological order. But I'll try to note as we go through it um, the order of events. Now just I want to point out before we begin here, there were three women that Shimshon in, in, in Sefer Shoftim becomes involved with. The first one was a woman in Timna. Um, was a woman in Timna. And that seemed to be Bederech Nesuin, means he actually married her. The second was a woman in Aza, which we're going to see, or Gaza, it's called, which was Bederech Znus, problematic a little bit. And then the third was Delila, which we'll see eventually caused his downfall. But Aza was already a bit of an issue. Let's see. Tan says the Brisa. Shimshon be'en of Morad. Shimshon rebelled against Hashem in regards to his eyes. Shemar, as the Pasuk in Shoftim tells us, Vayomer Shimshon al-Aviv, This is referring to the woman in Timna, the first one. Take her for me, he said to his father, because she's upright in my eyes. Therefore they pushed him, gouged out his eyes. In the end of the story, Shemar, as it says, The pushed him, uh, grabbed him, and they gouged out his eyes. This is after Delila caused him to lose his strength. And he asks the Gemara, is it true that he did something wrong? But the Pasuk tells us, the Pesukim themselves say over there in that context, his father and mother didn't know, because they said marry a Jewish girl, but they didn't know that this was all from Hashem. Again, this was a plan so as to create a situation where it was a personal thing that they would the Plishtim would back out, and then he'd be able to take revenge against the Plishtim, not as a shliach of the Jewish people, causing them to take punishment out on the Jews after, but as a personal t- attack. So the Gemara says, Yashem, Ki Azal, the Gemara answers, Ki Azal, but when he went and married these Plishti women, Mia Basar Yashru say Azal, he followed the uprightedness of his eyes. Meaning to say, Yashru's Enav, the Bachskir says, Azal. What does it mean? It means it's true, HaKadosh Baruch Hu had this as his plan, he commanded him to do so, but it seems like to some degree he followed his own Ratzon also. He either followed his own Ratzon or he did it because it made sense to him, not necessarily because HaKadosh Baruch Hu was instructing this. That was, an, that was a mistake to some degree. Tanya says the Brisa, Rebbe Oimer, Techilas Kilkulay Ba'aza, the beginning of Shimshon's uh, inappropriate behavior was in Aza. Lafikach Laka Ba'aza, that's why he was punished and taken in Aza. How do we know that the beginning of his downfall was uh, his punishment? Is a virus was Naz It says, He went to Aza, and he found an Isha Zaina there, and he was with her. Therefore, he was punished in Aza. After they grabbed him, they took him to Aza, and that's where they uh, mocked him. The Gemara says, but we know that there was an earlier incident, as I mentioned. He became involved with the first woman in Timna. The Gemara says, "Tachilas kilkula miya ba'azahaya." But the beginning of his <coughs> actual kilkul was in Azar. Rash explains because the first woman in Timna was bederach kedushin, derech nesuin. It was married appropriately. The second one was bederach snos. Okay, continues the Gemara. This is uh, the third woman. It says after the second, the second story with the second one, he loved the woman Nachal Sorek Ushma Delila. She was named Delila. Tanya Rabbi Yomer Rabbi taught Ilmoli Nikrushma Delila. Even if she wouldn't have been called Delila in the Pesukim, Reu Yahaisa Shetikra Delila. She should have been called Delila, meaning her name fit 
what she did. The Mepharshim do point out, if I want to sit, point this out, that apparently initially she converted L'shem Shemayim, she was actually righteous, and it was only after the Plishtim bribed her that she sort of retracted and agreed in order to uh, bring about the downfall of Shimshon. Why should she have been called Delila? Dildolas Koicha, she removed his strength, she weakened his strength. Dildolas Libo, she weakened his resolve. Dildolas Maisav, and she weakened his good deeds. Dildolas Koicha, she removed his strength, the physical strength. Vayaser Koicha Me'alav, after she cut his hair, she removed his strength from on him. Dildolas Libo, she removed his heart, or weakened his heart, as it says, He finally revealed to her his true source of power, which was his hair, he was a nozir. Dildolas Maisav, she also weakened his actions, which means the Yistalik Shechina because the Shechina that always had accompanied him left him when he uh, lost his great stature as a Nazir. It says, because he didn't know after she cut his hair, Ki Hashem Allah, that Hashem had left him. That was in the incident at the end of his, before he actually lost all of his strength, that he first he, he told her the wrong thing, really what doesn't ruin his resolve, and she said, and he jumped up and he was able to decimate them, it wasn't an issue. But finally, um, she, she bothered him for many days, and he, 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 he uh, revealed his real source of th- strength. Finally, after he told her the truth, she saw that he had told her all of his heart, meaning the, the true reason of his strength. How did she know you died? How did she know this was the truth? The first shot is, the words of truth are, are uh, clear. Rashi explains because from the situation it was clear. He never cut his hair, he never drank wine. It was apparent that he was telling the truth at this point. Abaye Amar Yeda a different answer. She knew about that righteous person, Shimshon, He wouldn't just say the Hashem's name in vain. And Kivan to Amar Nazir Lekiman, he once said, I'm a Nazir Lekim. Amra, she said, Amar is certainly telling the truth. Now the Pesukim tell us how she got eventually for him to admit what his real strength was. It says when she bothered him with her words, Vataltseyu means she, it's an extra lashon of oppressed him or bothered him. My Vataltseyu, what is it referring to? Pressured him. At the time of Gemar Bia, Rashi seems to learn, I don't know if it's elsewhere, he says that's where a person's taiva is the highest. Right, taiva sadamaruba, Rashi says over here. Um... She would slip away from under him, so she would cause him such distress. Eventually, he revealed the nature of his power. Now the so can go back now, back to the beginning of the story, that when the Malach revealed itself to Shimshon's mother, he told the mother, You have to be careful while you're pregnant with him from drinking wine. And don't eat tummy things. So my kol tummy. First thing I want to know, what is kol tummy referring to? And furthermore, did she consume tame things prior to this? Means lachara. That's not something normally consumed. So means things that are usher for a nazar to, to eat that would be prohibited for the mother who was pregnant with Shimshon to also consume. Now the psukim jump forward. This is when Shimshon uh, is fighting with the plishtim, and the psukim tell us that after he kills a bunch of, bunch of plishtim with a donkey bone, he thirsts for water almost like he's about to die, and it says, Vayavaka lekimis amachtesh, Hashem split open the jawbone, the tooth of the jawbone, that was in the jawbone, that he could drink water and produce water from it. There was a symbolism in that. He desired something that was tamay. 
meaning he desired to be with Plishti women, his life became dependent on a jawbone of a donkey for, uh, to, be, to continue to have water to drink. The Psukim tell us when Shimshon was born, the spirit of Hashem uh, was effective. It was a effect of the nevuah of Yaakov Avinu. As it says, Yaakov at the end of his life, it says, Don will be a snake on the way, meaning which means to say that it was a reference to Shimshon, that he would be there to save the Jewish people. So that nevuah was becoming true. And the passage continues, it says in Shoftim, to resound in the encampment of Dan. The Shechina rang in front of Shimshon like a bell. Regarding Shimshon, he uses the word Lefamo. In regards to the Me'il, it says Pa'amon Verimon, bells and pomegranates. So we see it's like a, a, a resounding nature of the Shechina in front of Shimshon. Papsukim tell us. That Shimshon was between Tzara and Eshtol. These Tzara and Eshtol were two mountains. The Akron Shimshon Vitochan on Zebaza, Shimshon uprooted them and ground them together. This was to show his, his might. Continues the Pesukim and Shoftim. He began to save the Jewish people. The word Yachel, learnt in Adarim and Nazir, also means to nullify. And Rashi explains, He nullified the treaty with Av Avimelech. Avimelech had made a treaty with the Avos that they wouldn't harm each other. Rashi says over here, Because since Avimelech, which meaning his descendants, the Plishtim, first started to attack the Jewish people, Shimshon went out also and uh, gave it back to them because they deserved it. It says, If you will harm me, my grandson or my great-grandchildren. So we're going to stop here at the top of Yud Amud Aleph. As Hashem will continue tomorrow discussing the storyline of Shimshon and tie that back into Midah Kineg and Midah eventually. Everybody have a wonderful day.